You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And I think that was with about 50 seconds to go and coaches are hollering, get off the court. And I said, don't tell me what to do. I'm fixing to win another championship. Chess, I think back to my press conference when Scott Woodward introduced me as LSU's coach. And the number of people that were in that PMAC, the governor, the politicians, the people who watched me grow up. And I made a statement and asked everybody to turn around and look at those final four banners. Nowhere on there did it say national champion. And that's what I came home to do. LSU is on top of the college basketball world. Welcome into Crunch Time here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for those national champion LSU Tigers as well as the Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. Give us a call on the game hotline 337-706-0111. We're broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. In a season where LSU was doubted constantly, well, their non-conference schedule was too soft. Oh, their SEC schedule is too soft. Oh, Angel Reese can't do it all. She didn't have to. LSU's bench outscores Iowa in the title game 30. 30. To 22 to win 102 to 85 in this game. You know, you look at the the points for the Tigers. LSU coming in again, 30 points off the bench. Iowa only had eight. They outscored them by 22 in this game. Again, 102 to 85. And then you, you look at the performance across the board. You had 22 points from Jasmine Carson off the bench. She was absolutely electric. Five of six from downtown. Ladasia Williams comes in with a 20-point performance. Flage Johnson had 10 points and a great defensive effort as well. Angel Reese, the, the, the player that said that had to do it alone all season long. A 15-10 and 10 double-double. She now has the most double-doubles in a single season in NCAA history. And then there's Alexis Morris. A player who has been with Kim Mulkey for a very long time. Kim Mulkey dismissed her from, a, from the team at Baylor when they won the national championship in 2018. She comes to LSU. Last year is one of the key scorers for the team. And this year, had to change her game a little bit. Had to become more of the facilitator and, you know, taking points where you can get them. And she stepped up in a huge way last night to bring LSU their first basketball national championship in men's or women's in school history. What a just an outstanding performance by the Tigers, scoring 59 points in the first half. Uh, to really just put the game away early. 
Iowa made a couple of runs. They got it close. They got it within five, but LSU was just able to to run away with it again to to win by 17 in Dallas yesterday. We're going to talk about that game quite a bit throughout today's show. We're also going to talk some Tigers baseball as well as some Cajuns baseball as they dropped two out of three to App State at home this weekend. Once again, Hit us up on the game hotlines, 337-706-0111. James Mesh, my producer and co-host, here with me on a Monday. James, buddy, Kim Mulkey did what she said she was going to do. Yeah, she did. And she did it faster than a lot of people thought she would have. I think, I think she did it faster than she thought she would have. Yeah, she she didn't anticipate it to be done in the second year. She thought yeah. maybe it would take at least three years for it to happen. I, I think I think it happened faster than than anybody thought. Um, but you know, to go from a season where when Kim Mulkey got here, LSU had only won nine games the year before. And she took that nine-win program and turned it into a 26-6 and team that lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament. She then turned around the next offseason, only retained one starter from that team, brought in nine new players, and won a national title. This is a perfect example of of how the transfer portal could be a benefit. Yeah, because there were so many players on LSU squad that wasn't here last year. Yeah, nine new players. You only had one starter back from last year, and that was Alexis Morris. That was Alexis. You got you got Flauge. You got Angel Reese. You got Jasmine Carson. You got Jasmine. You got Katari Poole. Like a lot of major contributors on this team, you got because of the transfer portal, and and just being able to recruit a, a good bit of them from absolutely high school as well, absolutely. Which you're still anticipated to get the number one class in this year's offseason. You, you know, Kim Mulkey was asked about the foundation that was laid, and you know how far this team can go and and before I get to her answer I just want to kind of break it down for you real quick Angel Reese she's a sophomore so she's back next year and she could even be back the year after that potentially if she if she wants to stay at LSU or just stay in college in general she could she could stay for a second year because here's the thing she's probably going to make more NIL money than she would in the WNBA Mm mm-hmm so it might benefit her to stay in college for, for four years. but Which I think we had seen that a couple of times now. Oh, yeah. Angel Reese will be back. Flashy Johnson will be back. Katari Poole will be back. You're bringing in Michaela Williams. You're bringing in Aaliyah Del Rosario. What this group is going to be capable of in the 2023-2024 season 
James, I, I'm not quite sure that most people can truly comprehend what this group is going to be able to do. Samaya so Smith was a freshman this year. She's going to be back. I mean, just again, the things that this group will be able to accomplish when you have so many key players like Katari Poole, like Angel Reese, like Samaya Smith and Flauge Johnson. I was going to say, yeah, Flauge with a bigger role she had. Freshman. Freshman. SEC Freshman of the Year. She was named the SEC Freshman of the Year. And then you add in Michaela Williams, the top recruit in the country, and Aaliyah Del Rosario, one of the top centers in, in this year's recruiting class. I mean, the, the sky's the limit with, with Kim Mulkey right now for LSU women's basketball. And one thing, and and, and I promise we're, we're going to get to Kim's answer to that question. Another th- stat that I, I want to bring in that I just find so incredibly interesting. There was a Title IX investigation done on basketball. And the amount, the, the difference between men's basketball and women's basketball, not just at LSU, college basketball in general, is incredibly surprising. But LSU is, is up there on the list. Looking at the amount spent on men's basketball, $1,509,903. You know how much money was spent on LSU women's basketball? 395223 That is a difference of $1.1 million. To put it in a little bit more layman's terms, for every dollar that was spent on men's basketball, 26 cents was spent on women's. And they won a national championship. That goes to show you that resources don't always equal wins. But here's Kim Mulkey on just how much bigger can this program grow. Well, it doesn't get any bigger than this. We grew it and I, I say this, you know this, Michael, y'all have been to the games. We grew this last year. And it was kind of scary because I kept trying to tame that monster. I said, we may be feeding this monster too early. But the crowds just kept getting bigger and bigger. And the student section, guys, is, is off the charts at LSU. And I, I, we're national champions in year two. And we're not all seniors. We lose four outstanding seniors. But the core of your, your group are young and, and underclass, and you hope they stay. Uh, Lord knows every time you turn around, you got to deal with people in the transfer portal. But you signed the number one recruiting class in the country. And this, that was before we won a national championship. We haven't even won an SEC championship. We're working. We're working, and when they come to visit LSU, I can't describe it to you. People love winners at LSU, fans off the charts. I can tell you, I don't want one negative thing written if we don't win a national championship next year, okay? Telling y'all in advance, they're hard to do. And that's the thing, right? 
you 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 want a natty now, the expectation is going to become, well, now you got to win it again. Yeah, it, you kind of you almost feel like oh you now you have to do the the UConn no. dominance in women's basketball. No. no, make the final four. Make the final four. If you can be in contention of it every year, if you yeah. if you make the final four, I, I I think that that's that's a successful season for this group. But obviously, the goal now is is to win another national championship. Um, and I think that this group is going to be plenty capable of of doing that. Now, as for Angel Reese, look, I'm just going to be quick with this. I saw no problem with the, the way she handled things yesterday. It's sports. Sports are emotional. National championship games are emotional. Sometimes, yeah, you you do things on emotion that you probably wouldn't do in a normal situation. But Caitlin Clark has taunted her opponents all season long. Most recently, saying, I'm not going to go guard you because I don't think you're a very good shooter when they played South Carolina Friday night. She has done the you-can't-see-me taunt that Angel pulled all season long. If you can't take the heat, you shouldn't be in the kitchen. You can't talk trash if you're not prepared to get it thrown back at you. Plain and simple. And then the the way that Caitlin had handled it. Post-game, Caitlin handled it beautifully. Oh, yeah. Beautifully. About, about as well as you could handle, like, any situation like I don't see how she could have done any better yeah Caitlin absolutely handled it like a pro um because the media members were like trying to stir the question away to try and get a reaction out of her (laughs) they they were trying to get her to say something that she would regret that they could turn into a story and she didn't give it to them so bravo to her bravo to LSU I mean look you can't take away a national championship no matter how hard you try and don't don't come here and say, oh, the refs gave it to them. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Look at this, look at the numbers. LSU had 18 fouls. Iowa had 19. And LSU shot. Iowa had one more foul than LSU, and LSU shot one more free throw. So don't tell me that the refs handed LSU a national championship because that's just wrong. That's just factually incorrect. Let's go to the game hotline now. Chad, what's up? Oh, not too much. Man, it's, it's, Caitlin handled it great. It's the national media that blows everything, always political, yep. sports-related, everything they blow up. And that's that's Caitlin was fine with it because uh, obviously she knows she's trash-talked all weekend. Guys, I want to know from y'all, what's next, baseball or football, man? Out of those two – Thanks, man. I, Thanks. Pre- I appreciate the call. Out of, out of those two – Probably baseball. I I could see baseball winning it in two months. Yeah, you you kind of lean towards baseball right now because LSU football. I think they can contend. They're knocking on the door, but I don't I don't think they have just enough yet to be national champions. the 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 metaphor that that I like to use is they're knocking on the door of the party. 
but they haven't been let in yet. They're they're waiting in line. Right, because we we thought it would take a few years to even get to that point, but it's, they're they're practically there right now. It's because, coming. Because that first year with Brian Kelly surprised even a lot of the people that high had high expectations yep. of LSU. Yep. How many people how many how many people thought that LSU was gonna have a ten win season? It's 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 coming. I, I don't know that it's going to be in 2023 though. But you know, crazier things have happened. I didn't I didn't pick UConn and San Diego State to be our national championship game tonight. So I don't think many people did it all either. <laughs> so I mean, crazy things have happened. We got a great show lined up for you today. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more crunch time right after this. This is crunch time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you want to see the defending World Series champs in person, well, then you're in luck because the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has a week Astros weekend getaway to give away. Houston takes on the Texas Rangers on April 15th, and you can be there by registering in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. 422, almost 423 here on your Monday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Let's go to the game hotline now. Martin, what's going on, bud? Oh, not too much. First of all, I do uh, want to congratulate the Lady Tigers on their national championship win, and that's coming from an Alabama fan. And I uh, 100% wholeheartedly agree with you about uh, the whole Angel Reese thing. I mean, the main thing is people need to get out their feelings, and I, the people I mean is the media, and stop making big deals about little things, making them more than what they are, Okay. I mean, we got showboating and all kind of stuff in all the sports. That's what the sports are these days. So get out your feelings. Let LSU and those ladies that work there, they're uh, a, you know what, butts off all season long to get where they are, enjoy their moment, and move on with y'all lives. That's all I got to say about that, buddy. Um, now, uh, what the main reason I called is um, now I've I seen that, uh, WWE and uh, Endavier Sports, which is ran, the company that runs UFC, have merged. You know, I'm okay with that as long as they don't try to tack on a additional fee to the WWE pay-per-views along with my uh, my Peacock fee. Oh, but oh, the, oh, I'm not going to take too much. Uh, I'm not going to take too much of your time. This, you know, I think WrestleMania. I'll give it an eight. The set was awesome. I was glad that they brought back the, you know, the the, the classic uh, Hell in a Cell rather than go with the red Hell in a Cell, you know, between Finn Balor and Edge, you know, the Demon. I think that was a good match. But um, main event, Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes. Here's my opinion on it. Roman Reigns has been WWE champion for 940-somewhat days, okay? Would I have liked Cody Rhodes to win the match? Absolutely. The man deserves it, okay? 
but let's think reasonably reasonably about this, okay? There was WWE loves its milestones. That's what it what it is, okay? There was no way that WWE was gonna let Roman Reigns is reign in you know a few days short of a thousand a thousand days, which by the way his a thousand thousand day as WWE champion just so happens to fall on their uh, their event in Saudi Arabia, which um, you know I, I, I still don't think he loses it then. I think what we when we really got to start paying attention is probably after May after that. Then you really start paying attention, but my opinion, I think he loses it at SummerSlam. I'll throw out two names. Now, Cody Rhodes' story is, his whole storyline is to finish the story. It wasn't to finish the story at WrestleMania. Cody Rhodes is going nowhere. I think he he um, he wins at SummerSlam. Now, I, I, I will throw out another name, too, uh, to keep an eye on is Seth Rollins. I think he kind of gets in the mix again. But uh, as far, you know, the next few pay-per-views uh, for WWE, Roman Reigns is not going nowhere. He's going to get the longest reigning, uh, reign as WWE champion. That's just my thoughts. You know, the triple threat match between Gunther, um, Sheamus, and Drew McIntyre was hard-hitting, just as like it should be. Uh, and, I mean, the other matches were okay. Yeah. No, but, the, uh, the, the, the show... I'll, the 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 show overall was was really really good, uh, Martin. I, yes. I, I hate to, I hate to cut you off, man, but I gotta let you run. Yes, sir. I appreciate y'all taking my call. Thank you, buddy, and I'll continue to listen. Appreciate you, Martin. Yeah, you know, look, I, I'll offer I'll offer my two cents on it real quick. Um, I, I think the WWE got it wrong by giving letting Roman retain. Uh, they they've written probably the greatest storyline that they've ever written built it up for an entire year. And then in, in my personal opinion, I think you let it crash and burn last night. And so will will they try to save it? We'll see. Um but uh, again, I thought that it was a prime opportunity to let Cody Rhodes finish the story last night and they didn't let him. And so again, that's just where I I stand on that. But no, overall I, I thought the show was great. The set was fantastic. And the deal with Endeavor is absolutely, absolutely fantastic. But uh, again, moving on from that, going back to LSU women's basketball against Iowa. Following the following the game, you heard from the Hawkeyes, and you know one of the things that that's really stood out on the weekend is the impact that women's college basketball has kind of had lately. You know, the the ticket prices for the championship game for the women's side were more expensive than the tickets for the men's game tonight. The Iowa-South Carolina game had more views than any of ESPN's NBA broadcasts this season. And just really staggering numbers from, from the women's basketball perspective. And following the game, Iowa's head coach Lisa Bluter talked about the impact that women's basketball currently has on the world of sports. Yeah, I mean, if people are excited about women's basketball because of Iowa, I am so thrilled with that. I, 
I do believe, and maybe we didn't play it all, all the time tonight, but I do think we play with the joy, we play with teamwork. And, you know, it's so fun to be able to be a part of this game at this point. As you all know, I, when I play, started playing, it wasn't like this at all. It wasn't like this even 15 years ago. So, you know, it, it's just great to see people realizing the power of, of women athletes and people respecting women athletes. I mean, it wasn't like that when I was growing up, you know kind of looked down on for being an athlete. So now, you know, these women are strong, they're leaders, and for people to recognize that and want to support them, uh, businesses, corporations wanting to support them, it's, it's wonderful. And I'm just so glad that I've gotten to see this, you know, this happen. They also asked Coach Bluter if she thought that Angel Reese was taunting at the end of the game. I'm sure she was really proud of her accomplishment. And I would be really proud of my accomplishment if I made it, you know, won the national championship too. It, you know, I mean, we are all different people and we all have different ways to show our emotions. And, you know, I, again, I, I got to focus on what I can control. A plus answer. That's, I mean, that's an A plus plus answer because she's right. Different people express themselves different ways and have different emotions when they succeed or fail. Absolutely. Like, Matt, whenever you won your state championship for basketball, did you cry? I did. Yeah? I mean, not everyone is Joe Burrow and, and just smokes a cigar after a win. Right. Like, some people just, like, get in their feelings and either cry or express their emotions to others that they felt like how Angel Arisa talked about in her past conference, saying, like, felt disrespected. Caitlin was talking trash to Alexis during the game, before the game, and it was like, we even said it before the game ourselves like we're coming after them and and we're not backing down yeah no i, I like i like i said in the opening segment i, I thought that what angel reese did was fine i, I thought that there was nothing wrong with it it wasn't you know derogatory it wasn't Mm-mm. she just made it, it wasn't inappropriate it, she made hand gestures it, it was it was fine I, I thought it was absolutely fine um because I, I think i've heard i think i've heard and seen worse from 12 year olds from 12 year old boys absolutely than what I saw from Angel yesterday. So what she did was nothing. And also one 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 soundbite that I want to get to is Monica Cesano and Caitlin Clark both had a conversation. Uh, Caitlin Clark has been known all season long, besides being a, a trash talker on the court. Um, she has been known to do a lot of things in the Iowa community. Um, and, and she was asked about the impact that she has had on the kids in the area. Yeah, I mean, she's a phenomenal basketball player. We all know that. She's proven it time and time again. But I think the biggest thing is the way she holds herself and the way she plays the game. Um, she's doing it the right way. She's doing it the fun way. Uh, she's being a role model to little kids who want to grow up and be just like her. Um, that's a great thing. Uh, so I think in these past three weeks, she's done so much, but it's not just these three weeks. She's been doing it, I mean, since she decided to play basketball. It's been a progression to this point. So um, we all know what a phenomenal basketball player she is, but it's the person she is behind it all that's inspiring these kids as well. Thanks, Juan. I think just the biggest thing is, you know, it's really, really special, and I don't think it's going to set in for me for quite some time. Um, I want my legacy to be the impact that I can have on young kids and the people in the state of Iowa, and I hope I brought them a lot of joy this season. I hope this team brought them a lot of joy. I understand we came up one win short, but I think we have a lot to be proud of and a lot to celebrate. Uh, and 
I was just that young girl, so all you have to do is dream, and you can be in moments like this. Nothing but respect to Iowa. Nothing but respect to Caitlin Clark. Um, they were they were outstanding, and sometimes you can still be a really good team and just fall a little bit short. And I think that's exactly what happened yesterday. Um, everything just lined up perfectly for LSU. And it, it, it happens that way. People, people could talk about, oh, LSU's bracket was so easy. Look, that happens all the time. All the time do you see upsets where the bracket clears up for somebody, and that's just, that's just the way it goes. Um, so, look, it is what it is. Congrats to Iowa on their season. Congrats to LSU on winning the national championship. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time when we return. Our very own Raymond Parsh III will join us. He was in Dallas for the weekend. We'll get his thoughts on the Final Four and where LSU can go from here, right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Grand slams, no-hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. You just have to go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB and sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. I'm going to take the Yankees and Atlanta Braves to win the AL East and NL East and then have Aaron Judge to be the regular season home run leader. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. You just have to go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit is required. Refunds are issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. And if you or somebody know has a gambling problem wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Is crunch time live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back here on Crunch Time 439 here on your Monday broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company specializing in new multifamily construction. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. We've talked a lot about LSU women's basketball winning the national championship yesterday, 102 to 85. Let's continue that conversation now with our very own. He's the host of RP3 and Company weekday mornings from 6 to 9 right here on the game. It's the big, bald, beautiful one himself, Mr. Raymond the Third, RP3, happy Monday to you. I'm, I'm glad you're back in Acadiana. How was your weekend in Dallas? It was uh, jam-packed. It was a ton of fun. And it was great to be part of something, uh, Matt where you kind of see something organically happening. And what I mean by that is an appreciation, a buzz, if you will, when it comes to women's college basketball. I mean, I've been talking about it all weekend. It was a weekend where Taylor Swift had two shows in the Dallas-Arlington area, two sold-out shows. The Rangers were opening up the season against the defending national league champion Philadelphia Phillies. And the only thing people wanted to talk about, whether it was media or fans or people at the hotel, was the women's Final Four. That tells you how far it's grown and how quickly it's becoming something that can stand on its own. Yeah, you know, I remember I was listening to 
a, a radio broadcast of the game yesterday, and one thing that really stood out was when the commentators who have called multiple Final Fours before, they said this year has been more of a, a spectacle than, than it has been in years past, and, and that really goes to just further drive home the point of how much this has grown. I mean, the if you look at the national championship games, it was more expensive to get into yesterday's game than it's going to be to get into tonight. Uh, the largest crowd for a championship game in NCAA women's tournament history. It was also the largest um, crowd for the entire tournament. Uh, and uh, look, the ratings are through the roof, right? That's that's the other part of this, where uh, the final four game between South Carolina and Iowa was the highest-rated game on ESPN for men or women's college basketball since 2008, and that was a Duke-North Carolina game. So it, it, it's, it's becoming something that people are appreciating, that people want to watch, that people want to be a part of. I had an elderly couple at the hotel that I was staying at, Matt, that wasn't a fan of any of the teams. They just were appreciative of basketball. They were from Minnesota, and they came down to Dallas for the entire weekend just to be there for the games. And that's what it's about, man. Like, I I had conversations with some of my oldest friends that aren't the biggest women's basketball supporters, and we spent 20 to 30 minutes talking about the women's Final Four, talking about the championship game, talking about Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark. It's kind of taken the sports world by storm, and, you know, rightfully so. Yeah, you know, you, you look at this weekend and obviously, you know, what Iowa was able to do taking down South Carolina, Caitlin Clark scoring the most points in an NCAA tournament game for women's basketball with 41 against the against the Gamecocks. And then you turn around and just have this monumental showdown with LSU where a team that hasn't shot the ball well from outside all season long just absolutely erupts shooting 65% from behind the arc. They had only made 14 three-pointers the entire tournament before Sunday's national championship game. And they made, and they, and they made 11 and, in yesterday's game. And then they made 11 in yesterday's game. And so it's you could tell that they saw something on tape. Iowa, as good as Caitlin Clark is, and she is a phenomenal player. They don't play the best defense. They just don't. That's not how they're built. They are built to shoot, shoot, and shoot. Okay, They're a team filled with shooters. They're not a team filled with defensive players. There's not. And LSU saw that and said, you know what? Huh, now we have a distinct advantage. Because before we were going to have to play South Carolina, who would want to muddy it down, be physical, and play that game. Now we can attack this team and just go out there and be aggressive shooting the rock and also attacking it. And the, 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 kind of the interesting thing they did there was not only did they shoot well from beyond the arc, they, they shot well, you know, they made big-time shots. Every time Iowa seemed to kind of climb back into the ballgame or Clark had a big three-pointer that cut it down to seven or eight points or whatever it may be, they came down and made another shot. And it wasn't just one player. I mean, think about this. Angel Reese is the tournament most outstanding player. She's an All-American. She was a a candidate for National Player of the Year, right? Mm -hmm. And she goes 5 of 12 from the field, only has 15 points and 10 rebounds 
a ho-hum double-double for her, the most ever in a season in NCAA women's basketball history. But it was everyone else that stepped up. Ladeja Williams, she had 20 points. They got 10 points from uh, Johnson, 21 points from Alexis Morris, who came up huge yet again late in this ballgame. She scored the majority of her points in the fourth quarter to help seal the win. Uh, Jasmine Carson off the bench, 7 of 8 from the field. She made her first five three-point attempts, ended up being 5 of 6 in the game. She had 22 points. They got contributions across the board, and you compare that to Iowa, and they had four players in double figures. They had a couple players score 13, 13, and 12, but they were led by Caitlin Clark, and she had 30 points, but she had to do it on 9 of 22 shooting, and you got to credit Alexis Morris for playing good enough defense on Clark to frustrate her and keep her under 40 points. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and you were there. You got the firsthand experience of this game. One conversation that a lot of people have had about this game outside of the one that has taken over social media with the Angel Reese and, and Caitlin Clark drama, but the the thing that has, has kind of interested me the most is when people talk about how LSU got handed the national championship based on poor refereeing. Ray, if you if you look at the numbers, the the game was called pretty fairly. They were bad both ways. There were terrible calls. It was one of the worst uh, officiated ball games I've ever seen in person. It, it just was. And it's one of those situations where, you know, Caitlin was asked about it, the Iowa coach was asked about it, the LSU coach, Kim Mulkey, and the LSU players were asked about it, and everyone just kind of said, you know, they just weren't going to address the uh, atrocious officiating because it was terrible. And, you know, I would love for the officials to have to answer questions afterwards besides a couple of questions from a pool reporter, which is typically what, what happens there because it was a poorly officiated game. I mean, this is the national championship game, and you're calling just terrible fouls. And, look, the technical foul on Caitlin Clark had no business being called. It, it, it was an awful call. It was just an awful call. She didn't do anything egregious. She didn't slam the ball down. She just threw it off to the side like a normal basketball player would do. Uh, they were calling a terrible game. And, and you're right. One more free throw attempt uh, is the difference in this ball game. That wasn't the difference in this ball game. Uh, LSU beat them 102 to 85. I mean, if I would have told you that Angel Reese would be held to only 15 points. Caitlin Clark would go off for plus 30, and Iowa would score 85 points, you would tell me that they would have won the game. Absolutely. And they lost by nearly 20. Yeah. No, you're, you're, so, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, so, uh, look, the, 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 the officiating was absolutely atrocious, and, and part of that problem is, and, and not to go down a rabbit hole, but a lot of the best – officials in the women's game or even men or women's game aren't officiating the final four in the championship game that's a discussion we can have for another day um which is probably why you have such a poorly officiated game as we did sunday that said you know what stood out to me about lsu is they said okay caitlin you're going to take a bunch of shots but a lot of those are going to be off balance and they made her work for every shot she had, but she got into foul trouble early. Now, did that change how she played? No. I mean, she still played a, a ton of minutes. She still played 35 minutes in this ballgame. So, 
you know, that didn't, even with four fouls, she still played that amount of minutes. But I thought all the contributions that they had and everyone stepped up is what the difference was. And I'm going to say it again. Iowa had never been to a Final Four. Iowa coach hadn't been to a Final Four. Kim tried to downplay it all week. Kim being, as a player, in four straight Final Fours, winning two national titles, being an assistant coach at Louisiana Tech, where she, I think, was in seven more Final Fours and won another national title, four Final Fours as the head coach at Baylor and winning three titles, and now being in another Final Four. She knows what to do. She knows what buttons to push. She knows how to motivate her team. She knows what to say and what not to say. She knows how to make substitutions. She understands when to take a timeout in the game when it's needed. So that experience came up big in Friday's game against Virginia Tech, which they had to rally to win and finally figured out how to break through that zone in the fourth quarter and flip-flop that game. And it came up huge against Iowa. Absolutely. And, you know, before we go, one one question that I have to ask, you know, when Kim Mulkey was hired by LSU, two things that she said, one was she was here to to win national championships, and now she's done that. And then the other part of that was that she was going to play home and homes with in-state schools. Is it possible that the, the defending national champions will be in the Cajun Dome this coming season? I mean... They may play them. I don't know if they're going to be in the Cajun Dome. I, I just, you know, I think, you know, look, they were in the Cajun Dome her first year. Yep. Don't forget, they were in the Cajun Dome the first year. Now, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she invites Gary over for an early season game over to the BMAC. Okay, so I think that's a bit of a pipe dream. But, I mean, look, th- this is the thing I'll say, and what's amazing is – She's a 60-year-old coach, an old-school player, fiery, tough, salt-of-the-earth type of player that became a great assistant coach and a great head coach and does things old-school. She's an old-school coach, keeps them accountable the whole nine yards, right? She's tough-minded and everything. For her to be able to adapt the way she did is remarkable. It may be one of the biggest achievements she's ever had in her coaching career because she has to adjust on the fly. She had nine new players to the roster. When you look at the players that she came in, you look at the box score from Sunday night's national championship game. Two of them are freshmen, one is a Juco, and the rest are grad transfers that she's brought in the last two years. Ladeja Williams began her career at South Carolina before going to Missouri. Then she came for one. Then she came here to LSU. Jasmine Carson started off at Georgia Tech, went to West Virginia, then ends up at LSU because Mulkey brings her. Poole started off at Ohio State, came to LSU. Angel Reese started off at Maryland. Alexis Moore started off at Baylor with Kim, that great connection that they had, and then had to get kicked off the team by Kim. She bumped around to Rutgers and Texas A&M before coming back to LSU. An older coach figured out, I need to adapt my way of thinking when it comes to recruiting, and she has fully embraced the transfer portal. And I would argue, Matt, there's not a better coach in the country, man or woman, for the men's game or the women's game that understands the NCAA transfer portal, understands how to get these kids to commit to come to play for her. And if you think that this is going to be like a one-off for her, if I'm any kid that's entering the transfer portal in the women's game, I'm going to come play for Kim Mulkey. 
because I know that I will be part of a team that's going to be competing for uh, Final Fours and national championships because look what she did. And she knows how to manage personalities. All these girls came from other programs where they were leading scorers and were you know starters and everything like this. And she gets them to she gets Jasmine Carson to be okay with being coming off the bench for the entire NCAA tournament. Yep. Uh, think about that. She's 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 the goat. What can we say? It's phenomenal what she's done, and I think this is just at the beginning because she's such a motivated person. Yep. And winning one national championship is not going to be enough for Kim Mulkey. Just not. Raymond Parsh the third host of RP3 and Company joining us here on Crunch Time. RP appreciate you as always. Um looking forward to to having you back in the office tomorrow and uh we'll talk to you again soon. Enjoy the rest of your day, brother. I'll see you tomorrow. And there he goes, the big bald and beautiful one Raymond Parsh the third. We'll take a time out, wrap up hour number 1 right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. April 15th, the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters are returning to the Cajun Dome, and the game wants to help you score tickets. Text GLOBE to 283-8100 to score a family four-pack for the Globetrotters' famed ball-handling skills, dunks, laugh-out-loud antics. Once again, text GLOBE to 337-283-8100 to see the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up. It's a goner. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Real quick, before we end our number one, 9.9 million people watched LSU in Iowa yesterday. That is the most watched women's college basketball game on record. It peaked at 12.6 million, and it was the most viewed college event on ESPN+. Wild. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two. We're going to kick it off with Tiger Talk, talking LSU spring football with our guy Wilson Alexander. We'll also get to Cajuns in hour number two right here on the game. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time live from the FCO Development Studios is here on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station, and your home for the national champion LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Give us a call on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. In hour number one, we talked just about all of it was LSU women's basketball taking down Iowa 102 to 85 to win their first hardwood national championship in school history. Let's talk about that plus some baseball and football with our guy Wilson Alexander. It's time for Tiger Talk. Johnson throws, Boutte's got it wide open at the 10, far side, he's in for the score, hit high, hammered to left field, going back, taking a look, is Holcomb, and it's gone! Time to talk all things Bayou Bengals with the advocates, Wilson Alexander. Here is Tiger Talk on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Wilson Alexander, how are you, sir? 
I'm doing well. How are y'all today? Oh, dude, absolutely fantastic. LSU has won a national championship. In, in a game where, you know, it started off sluggish. Um, it was a great first quarter of, of just fantastic basketball from both sides. And then in the second quarter was when things really started to swing LSU's direction, outscoring Iowa 32 to. 20 in the second quarter to really run away with it from that point forward. Uh, what, what stood out to you about the game yesterday afternoon? Jasmine Carson would, would be the thing that stood out the most. When she started hitting those three-pointers, that's when LSU took control of the game in the second quarter. Of course, um, you know her teammates contributed to that, but her going off uh, the way she did um, after averaging 8.4 points a game this season hadn't Made a point and they hadn't scored a point. Excuse me, in the last like two weeks, which span span about three tournament games. Um, I think eleven points total in the tournament. And then the way that she, uh, you know, was able to swing things in LSU's direction because Iowa was going to let LSU shoot. That was the way they kind of defended South Carolina, and you know they didn't have a great defense. And so for her to be able to capitalize on that, swung everything in LSU's way, and uh, she was the rightful unexpected star uh, of this national championship. And you know, the the conversation today has you know turned into Angel Reese versus Caitlin Clark. You know the taunting at the end of the game, and you know from my vantage point, Wilson, it's really a shame that that, that is the story today because of just how historic yesterday was not only for for LSU but for women's basketball in general I mean 9.9 million people watched that game yesterday it did it was on record now as the most watched college uh, NCAA women's basketball game in on record and that is it isn't unfortunate like you said that um, so many people are just sort of gravitating toward this kind of discourse um, over over Angel you know uh, you, you know, doing the you can't see me motion, pointing at her ring finger. The thing about it is that Caitlin Clark um, is someone who has been well documented as a trash talker herself, and um, that's just kind of what happens in the game. And it's interesting. I think some people have pointed out that part of that of this whole sort of conversation is what's contributing, maybe in some ways, to the growth of women's basketball. You know, it's become something that people want to watch and talk about, and um, even if that means that. Um, there is this sort of unfortunate discussion going on. It's drawing more attention to the women's game, which is maybe a silver lining, I guess, in all this. But, um, you know, Angel Reese is always, that, that's who she is. She's unapologetically herself. So she should, doesn't have anything she should have to apologize for uh, after that game and, and after, um, you know, boasting a little bit. Um, especially the thing about it is if you're going to be upset with her, you should also be upset when Caitlin Clark does it. Um, if you're only upset when Angel Reese does it, then that's probably that's kind of an issue. But if you're all, you know, you, you need to be consistent with it if you're going to be upset if one person does it. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And you know, the the thing that's surprising about this whole situation is how quickly Kim Mulkey has been able to pull this off. You know, it just just in her second year, she took over a nine win program, basically had to tear the house down and, and rebuild it. And, and and now here you are winning a national championship. This is just the beginning for this group, right? You would think so. The future looks incredibly bright. LSU is bringing in the number one recruiting class in the country. They're going to be losing some seniors who were 
you know, pivotal parts of this team, Alexis Morris in particular. Um, and, and so you can't just assume, you know, instantly uh, a back-to-back kind of run or anything like that. There's going to be some other good teams. Caitlin Clark is, you know, most likely back for Iowa. Um, South Carolina will probably be good again. You've got Paige Bukers over at UConn. Like, there's a lot more parity in women's basketball than there ever used to be. Um, and so it's, not, it's going to be hard to, to win another one, but it's also now the expectation to win another one at, uh, at some point and to continue to make runs toward the Final Four and constantly be in that conversation. You know, Kim always says the last two years, like, we're building this too fast, like, y'all need to, you know, lower your expectations. But now they've been set, you know, really high. I and mean, even Simone Augustus, who I talked to today at the celebration ceremony, said that, you know, she doesn't like setting expectations, but she kind of expects now that, um, LSU will win another one before Kim Mulkey decides to end her coaching career, whatever that ends up being. Chad with Wilson Alexander here for Tiger Talk. LSU baseball winning two out of three against Tennessee. Kind of going through a gauntlet right now. I mean, you look at the, the schedule. You played Arkansas last weekend. You played Tennessee this past weekend. And now you're going to go on the road to play another top 10 matchup in South Carolina. Um, you know, I thought LSU baseball handled the the series very well. Uh, Friday Thursday night was a little you know back and forth, and LSU was able to to rally in late a couple of runs. Friday was was just a great performance, and then Saturday, I mean, look the the the, the wheels just kind of fell off. Um, they, they fell off early, and LSU never really could get it back. But uh, what were your thoughts on that weekend? Well, for the fact that LSU was able to handle that kind of atmosphere and win the series um, is. Uh, notable and, and certainly important within the context of discussing the entire weekend because the crowd was raucous and there was a lot of high expectations uh, going into this series. I mean, it set a, a record for the most people, you know, most fans at a three-game you know weekend series in Alex Box Stadium history. Um, biggest crowd on a Thursday night in March. 13,068 people were there. Um, and LSU was able to take care of business and win an SEC series. And would you like to get this sweep? Yeah, always. But it's most important to get those series wins, too. Because, I mean, say if you win you know, every series, even if you don't sweep, you finish 20 and 10 in the SEC, and you're probably regular season SEC champion. You know, 20 is that sort of incredible benchmark if you can hit it um, that I think everybody is always sort of circles. And LSU's fallen short of that. You know, over the last few years, you're certainly going to be hosting postseason games if you get to 20 SEC wins, and LSU remains on track to do so. And there's a lot of good things to come out of those games. I mean, 2-2 two to two in the eighth inning on Thursday, tight game. A lot of people, a lot of MLB scouts, a lot of tension because of the, the sort of the pitching matchup with Skeens and Dullander, and for Jordan Thompson to go hit that two-run double in the eighth. I mean, that was huge. Those are the kind of plays that help you win a championship over the long run if they can continue to play like that. So overall, yeah, even though they lost Sunday, the wheels came off, like you said. Um, you want to see more from Thatcher Hurd on Sunday instead of what he gave you. Um, and so they got some things to figure out. But they're in a really good position now, a few series into the year. You know, looking at spring football, lastly, you know, what are the latest updates from Brian Kelly and, and spring practice? What what stood out over the last couple of weeks? <laughs> well, it's funny, right, that LSU football right now is the number three show in town. I mean, usually spring football is number two. It can be number one, depending on what's going on with baseball. And right now it's almost not necessarily an afterthought fully, but uh, it is not the full focus of attention that it usually is, which is, uh, I just think, kind of uh, funny and a credit to the women's basketball team. Um, but what's, let's see what's come out. Um, Javian Tobiano, I don't know if we talked about this last Monday, just the fact that he um, is the person who you know Brian Kelly has circled as 
uh, and this LSU staff is circled as, as kind of the freshman who can move around in the secondary. He's playing nickel. He's playing safety. He'll get some more run at corner, but um, they circled him as a guy at one at six one and 199 pounds um, who can be really versatile there in the in the secondary. The other thing is the defensive line coach search. Brian Kelly spoke with us Thursday and said that he's not going to make a hire until after spring practice. They'll go through the rest of the spring with Gerald Chapman as the interim defensive line coach, um, and then they'll look to make a hire uh, after that April, sometime after April 22nd, when they have uh, you know the last day of practice uh, there in Tiger Stadium. Um, they're looking for a couple things with that defensive line coach, uh, and it's sort of one A one B on Brian Kelly's criteria: good recruiter, preferably recruit, somebody who has proven that they can recruit in the SEC or at least the SEC, you know something similar to the SEC, you know, and knows how to do it in this landscape. And then uh, second, can develop talent um, and, you know, not just identify a five-star on film, but identify the right kind of traits on film and within their recruiting evaluations to be able to know that, okay, I can bring this person along and then develop them into an even better player than what we're getting as a recruit. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate joining us here for Tiger Talk on Crunch Time. Wilson, appreciate your time as always. I mean, look, LSU women's basketball wins a national championship. Baseball's top team in the country gymnastics is in the semifinals and then you got spring football there's a lot going on there's a lot to get to uh we'll, we'll do it all again next week sounds good y'all have a good rest of your week and there he goes wilson alexander of the advocate let's take a look at our poll question of the day real quick up on facebook and twitter what was the difference maker for lsu in the national championship game Yesterday, was it Jasmine Carson's three-pointers? Was it Alexis Morris's 12 points in the fourth quarter? Was it LSU's ability to hold Clark under 40 points? Was it managing the foul trouble? So far, 66% saying Carson's three-point shooting, 22% saying Alexis Morris scoring 12 points in the fourth, 7% say the fact that they held Caitlin Clark under 40, and then 4% say managing the foul trouble. There you are, James. An hour in, hour to go. We talked a lot of LSU basketball, but one thing we haven't gotten to yet that that I know you wanted to get to, let's talk about those oh topsy-turvy up and down New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, man. At least they're on the topsy right now and not the turvy. I mean, I, I guess. I mean, they're, they're in the playing tournament right now. They're on a little bit of a win streak. I mean, they got a big matchup tomorrow night against the Kings. But here's the thing, though. If you can get... I mean, I wouldn't say like two and you don't want to settle for for two and two, but I mean, these last four games are pretty tough. You got the Kings, you got the Knicks. Like, if you can go two and two, you should be able to make the play-in tournament. But I'm thinking if you can go three and one, or even miraculously go four and zero oh in these last four games, you can avoid it altogether. Because right now, you're just a half game behind out of sixth place. So it's like if you can get a couple things going your way, you're out there altogether. Even e- even better than that, you're not only a half game out of sixth place, you're also a half game out of fifth. Yeah, which makes it even better. If, if, if things fall the right way, you could be a top five team by the time you go to sleep tonight. And even hypothetically, let's say things go really well. Like you go 4-0. Could be you, a top four team. You could be actually in the fourth place. Right. Depending on how things go, because you're because you're only two games behind, and that's what's that's what's wild about the Western Conference this year. I mean, it is it is anybody game. It is a tight group right now, dude. And 
You know, I, I look at the four teams currently in or the play-in. I'm play sorry, in. three games behind. I, I look at the four teams currently in, in the play-in, the Lakers, the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, and the Thunder. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, especially now that Anthony Davis is out indefinitely for the Lakers. I think if the Pelicans get Zion back, they're the best team out of those four. And then if if you can find your way out of the play-in tournament to give yourself even more time off, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a little false confidence, but I, I just I, I feel like the Pelicans could make a run here. Yeah, I mean, if you look of the four teams, you would need New Orleans to stay kind of like on that grind as they are right now where like they start to get back into a groove. B.I.'s playing excellent right now. Trey is knocking down three balls like there's no tomorrow. C.J.'s doing all right, but you're getting more usage out of Jonas Valanciunas, and that's what I really like to see is him having really impactful nights where he's crashing the boards both offensively and defensively and still putting up sufficient shot selections and pretty much getting a double-double. It doesn't have to be a double-double. You don't necessarily are looking for the 10-plus rebounds or looking for a 20-point night, but it's like if you can get like 15-9 or even a 20-8, night out of Jonas Valanciunas, you feel like that's a really good night. That should help the Pelicans propel themselves to another win. Yeah, no, absolutely. And they've got a they've got a good matchup coming up tonight uh, as as they take on Sacramento. I'm sorry, tomorrow night, not tonight. Um, tomorrow night they'll play Sacramento at, at 7 o'clock. One thing about the NBA, and look, I fell for it. Saturday was April Fool's Day. And I saw a post that said that Victor Wimbignana was not declaring for the NBA draft and was going you to play fell for that? another year in France. <laughs> and I fell for it. Oh, you I sat, silly I sat goose. there for a second. And I'm like, wait, why would he do that? What are you doing? He's going to be the number one overall pick. Like, wh- what are you doing? Oh, and wait. And I sat there and I was like, okay, wait a second. It's April 1st. Man. I should have sent that to you. I said they got and then me. and then like screen recorded or just taking a picture of your reaction. They they absolutely got me. Uh, but real quick though, before we take a timeout, I know we keep talking about this national championship game, but there's just it, it's so entertaining to discuss this. So we talked about 9.9 million people tuning into the title game, and at, and the peak was 12.6. 12. 12. Yeah, 12.6 yeah. million. For, for for context, 9.9 is more viewers than last season's Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl, and Cotton Bowl, the Big 12 championship game, the Pac-12 championship game, and the ACC championship game, the Notre Dame-USC game, LSU-Alabama, Ohio State-Penn State, and then the primetime Bama-Texas A&M game on CBS. Wild. And I'm and I'm so happy for it because if you're just now tuning in to women's basketball and women's sports, I think if you if you can really enjoy it from not necessarily always an X and O's perspective, but just if you just love softball or if you love basketball or baseball, like there's to me there shouldn't be really much of a reason why you shouldn't. Watch it more consistently. I'm not saying you have to watch every single game like maybe some people would, like all the college or all the NFL games, or like watching every single 
NBA or men's basketball game that you can and having 17 TVs covering 17 different games. You don't necessarily have to do that. But to me, I don't see why you couldn't like pay a little more attention because oh. it to me, it is really exciting. It is. It, it is, is exciting. It If you enjoy yourself some basketball, to me, you can appreciate what the women do on the court because Absolutely. when you're watching them with the guys, they don't focus as much on the fundamentals. They get a little more flashy with things. And with the women, to me, I like I, I I can enjoy some fundamentals. It's 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 a nice change of pace going from a men's game to a women's game, and you seeing the more technicality of how the girls play the game themselves. So to me, if you should be able to enjoy a women's game just as much as a men's game. And the last thing I'll say before before we move on, LSU women's basketball's social media accounts. Here here's some analytics for you. <laughs> They've gained sixty two point five thousand new followers. They have. 28.1 million impressions, 1.1 million engagements, and their accounts have reached 753 million people. Absolutely insane. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time. When we return, we'll talk Cajuns baseball. Rough weekend to the T, dropping two out of three to App State. We'll also talk about Cajuns softball and their sweep over James Madison and Harrisonburg right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you're tired of your boring man cave, well, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Bordelon's Furniture, a flat-screen TV from AVI, and much more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 525 here on your Monday. Welcome back to Crunch Time here on the game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Let's talk some Louisiana Raging Cajuns now. Hosted App State on the weekend at MLT Moore Field. Fell Friday night 3-2. to two. Fell Saturday 8-5 to five before winning yesterday 6 to nothing over at MLT Moore Field. Friday night's game, it was just one of those contests where... The other team's pitching got the best of you. The Cajuns struck out 18 times in the contest and, and just never really could get anything going offensively. Um, and, and then Saturday was a little bit of a different story. You, you got the game that you expected to get out of these two teams. Both teams were going to put up runs. Both teams were going to play solid defense. And, and who was going to be able to score more runs? And it just happened to be the Mountaineers. And then yesterday, the, the Cajuns were able to do what they wanted to do uh, against App. They stay at MLT Moorefield. They'll play Tulane tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Tulane rolls into Lafayette with a record of 8-20 and 20 before the Cajuns will head up to Charleston, West Virginia to play a three-game set with Marshall Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Let's go to the game hotline now. Jay, what's going on? 
Uh, hi. Uh, first off, I want to uh, congratulate the uh, LSU women's uh, basketball team uh, for their effort. Uh, the reason I'm calling, man, um, I heard a couple of callers uh, last hour blaming the media. Like they, they basically said it's the media. But but the problem I have with that, the media didn't make uh, the media didn't make people on social media called a uh, reese a thug. That's that, I, where's the media uh, fought in that? You know. Um, I understand the media, you know, they, they, they understand the media role in a lot of things they do. Sometimes blow things up, but to sit up there and blame the media for an individual comments on someone is, is to me, it's a way of denial and it's a way of deflect from the real problem. And uh, that's all I have to add to it, and uh, thank you. Appreciate the call, Jay. Um, you know, getting getting back to, to the Cajuns, uh, again, just a, a weekend where you, you, you struggled a little bit at the plate, you you ran into a team that threw their best arm on Friday night. You came out a little bit flat. They struck you out eighteen times, and that that really just set the tone for for the whole weekend. Am I worried about this Cajuns baseball team? No, no, I'm not. They're sitting at nineteen and nine. They're six and three in the Sun Belt Conference. Um, they have they have played very strong baseball to this point. I mean, God, you look at Julian Brock's numbers. Julian Brock and Grand Slams just kind of happen. I mean, the young man's got 38 RBIs already at the halfway point of the season. Uh, he had 34 all of 2022. So, absolutely insane what he's been able to do. Obviously, you, you know, we talked about, we've talked about Heath Hood, we've talked about Carson Rockefort time and time again. The Cajuns' biggest issue going down this backstretch is going to be consistent pitching. Cages don't have bad pitching. Your starting pitchers aren't bad. They're just inconsistent. The Cajuns are going to have to find ways to get their pitching to be more consistent if they want to turn the page and win a regional. Because that's the goal this year. You made it to a regional last year. You competed like hell in a regional. Now the goal is to win one. So... You're going to have to find consistent pitching in order to do that. Now, looking at softball, I mean, God, what what more can you say? They went up to Harrisonburg, Virginia, and played a team that many people thought would give them the most trouble in the Sun Belt with James Madison, a, a group that was in the Women's College World Series just two years ago. Just an absolute stud of a softball program. And you were going to their environment, and things were just going to be difficult. No, nope, nope, not really. Uh, Louisiana was able to outscore the Dukes 23-8 to on the weekend, winning 8-4 to in extra innings on Friday, 9-2 to on Saturday, and then 6-2 to yesterday. They now sit at 26-10, and 8-1 in the Sun Belt Conference. They will be at home this weekend against South Alabama, but not before a trip to Joe Miller Field at Cowgirl Diamond in Lake Charles tomorrow night for a 6 o'clock first pitch between the Cajuns and the Cowgirls. We'll take a timeout here on Crunch Time. When we return, it's 5.30 now, when we return, Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser will join us. We'll continue the conversation of LSU Women's Basketball winning a national championship. Corey was also in Dallas. We'll get his take. Plus, we'll even talk a little bit of Cajun spring football as the spring game is underway at Cajun Field this Thursday evening right here on The Game.
This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The final game of the tournament ends here, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's going to be $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You just have to go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB to sign up today and claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team is going to be cutting down the nets tonight. Is it going to be San Diego State or UConn? all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. You just go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only, $10 deposit is required. Refunds are issued as nominal drawable bonus bet that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, Call 1-877-770-STOP. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time here on a Monday. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the World Series champion, Houston Astros, and the new national champion, LSU Tigers. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. We've spent most of this show talking about LSU taking down Iowa 102-85. to to win its first women's basketball national championship. Let's continue that conversation now with a man who was inside American Airlines Center yesterday, Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser. He covers women's basketball for the Advertiser. Corey, thank you so much for taking the time, man. I, I swear you're, you're just the magic touch when it comes to women's basketball national titles. Yeah, no, I guess I, guess I, should, uh, I, guess I should offer my service to the highest bidder, right? Uh, back-to-back uh, national championships for teams that I've covered in women's basketball. So um, I, didn't, I didn't think this would even happen, you know, before the game started yesterday. Um, I felt like LSU's won a couple games in this tournament that they uh, probably shouldn't have won, uh, but they found ways to do it. Now, you know, looking at the game, obviously tons of records being broken yesterday, including LSU scoring the most points in a in a basketball in a women's basketball championship game scoring 102. You know, when when you look at this game and I tweeted about this yesterday, the start of it probably couldn't have gone much worse for for LSU. I mean, you gave up three really sloppy turnovers that led to all seven of Iowa's points. Kim Mulkey had to to call a timeout and really, you know, bring the team back down to earth. And and then from there it was you know, kind of locked in, focused, and the game started. You know, really started to go LSU's way. What did What did you see yesterday afternoon in Dallas? Yeah, you know, obviously not a not a great start. Um, and look, you know, two of those turnovers were were from you know your freshman Flage Johnson. You know, and 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 look, I mean, she's 19 years old. 
uh, true freshmen playing in a national championship game. There's there's 19,480 people inside this building. The atmosphere was was top level, man. Um, it was it was just a tremendous atmosphere, and so you kind of can't fault the you know the true freshmen for making a couple mistakes up, right? And you know when Kim called that first time out, we were actually sitting behind the team bench, and and all that time out was spent basically calming Flaute down. Like, hey, you know, you've done you've done really good things for us all year. Uh, we trust you. Um, you know, just just settle in um, and, and look into your credit. And like you said, Matt. I mean, out of that timeout, it was uh, it, it was all LSU really from there. Uh, look, and you know, obviously, Caitlin. Look, Kim said it. Players said it. You know, Caitlin's going to get her. You know, uh, the, the the biggest battle in the game yesterday was not allowing, you know, McKenna Warnock or Susano uh, to get going, Monica Susano in the post. If, if they could prevent them uh, from getting going, um, you know, LSU felt really good about their chances. Uh, it, as good as Caitlin Clark is, uh, it, it can't be 1v5. You know, she, she would have to have an otherworldly game uh, in order to, to knock off, um, you know, the South Carolina's, which she could get help in that game. Um, you know, gonna take, it was going to take a monumental effort from her to, to beat basically LSU by herself. And so, uh, you know, they were able to, to get Iowa in foul trouble. Uh, Caitlin Clark had two fouls, you know, before halftime. You know, LSU faced a little foul trouble themselves, but uh, they were able to kind of disrupt their rhythm, you know, by getting Caitlin Clark off the court, you know, there before halftime and having them sort of reassess how they wanted to play defense against LSU. And that was one of the things they capitalized on the most. You know, looking at this game, one of the things that LSU has struggled with most of the season was outside shooting. You know, the the three-point shot was never really there for the Tigers. You know, Alexis Morris would hit a couple. There were games where Jasmine Carson would get hot. But as a season's body of work, it just wasn't a strong point for the Tigers. Well, yesterday, you shoot 65% from downtown. You go 11 of 17, including Jasmine Carson hitting five off the bench for 22 points. I mean, just talk about, you know, kind of where that came from for, for this group on this stage. Yeah, I mean, uh, in in terms of the, you know, just the flow of the game yesterday, um, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of what the game sort of gave them, you know, um, obviously, you know, in the final four game, uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about that, right. You know, Iowa's, you know, their defensive game plan was to, was to sag off the perimeter, uh, to clog the paint, not, not allow Leah Boston and, and Camilla Cardoso to get going. Um, and that was a, a strategy that obviously worked really well for them. Uh, now they, they did talk about how they were going to have to maybe extend a little bit closer to the perimeter against LSU uh, because they felt like, you know, Alexis Morris at any point in the game could get hot. Um, and, but there was still not enough of that, uh, I felt anyway, from what I observed, defensive urgency on the perimeter from Iowa. And, and that was just kind of the looks that, that LSU was getting. And, uh, you know, Jasmine Carson, man, listen, three straight games where she did not score a point before the national championship game last night. She comes off the bench late in the first quarter, drains a three, comes out of the, the break between quarters, hits two more really quickly. And you knew it once that third one went in, man, and, and she she allowed herself to let out uh, that what I felt 
from her and what we kind of got from her last night when she talked about it was I think she had a lot of pent up frustration, man. When that third one went in, you you kind of felt, you know, again we're we're five minutes from halftime, and but you're looking up and LSU's up 13, 14 points. It, it kind of felt like it was in the cards that early on in the game, and and you know then last year Poe was coming off the bench and hitting threes, which is not something that is her strong suit. Kateri Poole, who's known for her defense and not much by by way of offense, she hits two threes. I mean it was it was like the stars aligned, man, and um, you know there's. You know, people talked about, you know, how the bracket fell in LSU's favor. And, and look, teams have that happen all the time. You just got to go play the opponent that's in front of you. And credit to Kim Mulkey, credit to her players, credit to her staff, their scouts uh, through the NCAA tournament. I would I would put up against any of the other scouts that we had seen from any other team through it. Uh, you know, they held every team that they played with the exception of, of Iowa last night. And that's just because they got a lot of garbage time points. But they held every team that they played to below their scoring average. And and their defense was really what fueled this team to an NCAA uh, championship. But last night, like you said, Matt, the, the outside shooting, which no one really saw coming, uh, it, it showed up at the perfect time. You know, pe- people are going to look at this game and, and say, well, you know, Caitlin Clark still scored 30. Look, from, from my vantage point, I've watched a lot of Caitlin Clark basketball this year. You hold her to 30, bravo to you, because she is a baller. Um, I, I mean, I thought Alexis Morris did an excellent job, you know, corralling Caitlin Clark, if you will. Uh, what, what did you see out of Morris, both defensively and then offensively with her 21 points last night? Yeah, Alexis Morris, um, yeah, she, she definitely deserves um, – you know, a lot of credit for her her two way performance last night. Um, you know, I, as it pertains to, to defense with, with Caitlin, um, you know, it, it was, you know, the, the game plan was to, to give her different looks. Um, you know, obviously Alexis started the game covering her, but uh, you know, they threw other defenders at Caitlin. You know, Kateri Poole spent some time guarding her last year. Poa came when she was in the game off the bench. She was guarding uh, Caitlin, and that was, you know, that gave a little more length and size for LSU in, in defense of her. Um, you know, they were, they spent a little bit of time switching screens when, when Caitlin would come off a of pick and roll, they spent other times where, you know, whether it was Alexis or last year, you know, fighting through the screen and staying on her. So they, they really did a great job of, of mixing up the looks for Caitlin. Um, but as far as Alexis, just, um, just kind of what she's meant, uh, to this to this LSU women's basketball program, you know she she was only with the program for two years, um, but I think she was an as integral of a player for this. Um, I mean, look, I had players tell me last night that that this program is still technically in re, in rebuild mode. They, they're not they're not fully formed yet, um, which is crazy because they just won a national championship. But when you talk about Alexis, the thing that I think people will remember most about Alexis Morris is that maybe even more so than Angel at this point, she was the most vital part of what Kim had done in her first two years at LSU because she was the one that not only had to buy into what Kim was going to ask her to do because she has shifted roles multiple times just in her two years in Baton Rouge. You know, being the off guard and then taking the point and then, you know, basically going back and forth. Um, you know, she, she's, she's worn a lot of different hats 
for LSU the last couple of years, but she's also been the one that when this team needed something good to happen, she was the one that stepped up and made it happen. And, uh, you know, again, she did it last night, you know, with her defense. Um, and, uh, you know, Alexis Morris will, will probably go down as one of the greats uh, of LSU women's basketball just because of what she did for this program in her two years. Chat with Corey Diaz here on Crunch Time. You know, one thing that I found interesting from the postgame presser is Kim Mulkey was asked, you know, with the foundation that, that has now been late, and it's kind of crazy to, to call a national championship a, a foundation. Um, but considering that Kim Mulkey really walked into an abandoned house, uh, for, for, for lack of better terms, kind of had to tear the whole thing down and start over, how much farther can, can Kim Mulkey take this program? I mean, you've got Angel Reese coming back next year more than likely. Um, you, you still have, you know, Flage Johnson, Jasmine Carson, and then you're going to bring in Aliyah Del Rosario and Michaela Williams. And I mean, how much farther can this team go? Listen, man, uh, if, you, if you ask all the players, which I asked them last night after the game, uh, Final Four is the expectation. And I think, it's, I think that's the expectation not only for next season, but beyond. Um, and it may even not necessarily have, have anything to do with you know, them winning the national championship. I, I, think, I think the players would have answered the question the exact same had they had lost to Iowa last night. Um, you got to think about where this team is from a, you know, from a roster standpoint, uh, just two years in for Kim. And, and again, it's still not quite fully what Kim would like for it to look like. But now you've got, especially your younger players, right? Like your Flage Johnsons, your Samaya Smith. These players now have experience in, in the biggest of games, and they're going to be sophomores next year. Right. I mean, when you talk about, you know, foundation, Matt. I mean, that's it right there. Um, you you you've been able to get your youngest players in environments and in situations that that are at at the top of the sport, and and there's no substitute for that. And so now you have all these players with experience, and then you're going to welcome in the number one recruiting class in the country next year, uh, and you've got probably two to three players in that class of four that can come in and, and I think are good enough to be day one starters. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's in the cards, man. It, it's, it's set up to be sustained for a long period of time and for as long as Kim is there because now the program, Kim has always kind of sold herself to recruits. I mean, you know, she's, she won three national championships before last night at her previous job. I mean, she had that pedigree. And, and, and you know, for, for most recruits, right, you're attracted to that. You're attracted to coaches that know how to win. Um, but now with the NIL and how LSU really sets you up to succeed with that as well, and the support that the university and the community gives its women's basketball program, uh, there's only a handful of other programs I feel like in the country that truthfully – support their women's basketball team as much as LSU. Uh, this, this is a this is a top five program in the country right now, um, and it's going to be there for a long time. Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser joining us here on Crunch Time. Corey, appreciate your time. Um, I, I know you enjoyed the ride that, that Kim Mulkey and company brought you on this year. Uh, now, now it's time to turn the page and get ready for some 
Louisiana Raging Cajun spring football, my friend. It is, man. It's it's, uh, it's time. We got a spring football game this week, Thursday night. Um, so you know we're 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 getting ready to put the bow on that as well. And yeah, it'll uh, it'll you be, know then maybe take some much of your time off for a bit. <laughs> it'll it'll be your pleasure seeing me Thursday night. Can't can't wait to see you, my man. Corey, appreciate you, man. All right, man. Y'all take care. And there he goes, Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser. We'll take a time out here and wrap up today's show right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is coming back in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has free tickets for you. All you got to do is text RODEO to 337-283-8100. That's RODEO to 283-8100. The Angola Prison Rodeo returns April 22nd and 23rd, and you can see all the excitement from bull riding, wild horse racing, and convict poker. Text RODEO once again to 337 283 8100 to watch the world famous Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 556 here on the game. As we start to wrap up today's show, again, congratulations to Kim Mulkey and LSU Women's Basketball for winning the national championship. That will continue to be a topic of conversation throughout the week. We've also got Astros baseball tonight. The Pelicans play tomorrow. A lot to get to on both of those fronts. We'll go to the moon tomorrow with our guys from Apollo HOU. Coming up on Wednesday, who that Wednesday? Brendan Ertle. I mean, we, we got a great week prepared for you. Uh, no, no local shows on Friday due to the good the Easter holiday. Um, we will be out on, on Friday, back on Monday. But you still got Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday between now and then. So plenty of, of local programming coming your way right here on the game. I want to thank our guest today, Mr. Raymond the III, Wilson Alexander, and Corey Diaz for joining us. For James Mesh and the intern extraordinaire, Mr. Moses Campos, I am Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we're back tomorrow. Four to six right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the World Series champion Houston Astros and the national champion LSU Tigers.